Welcome to the Special Committee on Women Orthodontists podcast. This is the first episode of two focusing on self-care, mindfulness, and resilience. Self-care seems to be the new buzzword, especially with every obstacle we faced over the past year. Some could say this is one of the positive outcomes as a result of a year full of turmoil. In today's episode, we'll talk to Dr. Sherry Chesick, nurse scientist in the Department of Nursing Division of Nursing Research at Mayo Clinic, Rochester, Minnesota. Thank you for being here today. I have a feeling this is going to be a very informative chat. You know, one of the things when I was reading your bio, I zeroed in on the statement, investigating stress management interventions to enhance resilience in both professional and family caregivers. This sounds fascinating. Please tell me a little bit more about you and what led you to this work. All right. So thank you for having me. I'm very excited to be here with you today. So I am a nurse scientist. I'm in the Division of Nursing Research at Mayo Clinic. And yes, my program of research is centered on care for the caregiver. So I'm particularly interested in interventions and mainly mindfulness-based interventions that help caregivers with the very important work that they do. And the way that I got into this was working on my PhD. This was fall of 2009. And I have three kids, uh, Ava, Andrew, and Annika. And my youngest at the time was uh, just starting kindergarten. And so she was starting all the everyday kindergarten. So I thought it was good timing for me to go back to school. I wanted to work on my PhD. And so that was good timing for me to do that. And as the fall progressed, uh, my youngest, Annika, was coming home from kindergarten complaining of headaches. And these headaches were getting progressively worse. And we were having her see our family doctor for a while regarding them. And, you know, we had first attributed it to all day, every day school. And, you know, being separated from me, she was always a little bit attached to me. But we were getting concerned as they were getting worse and worse as time went by. And her family doctor was getting concerned about her. He was going to do a CT of her stomach because she was complaining of stomach pain as well. And she was gonna, he was going to have that done on a Monday. And he said, just, you know, over the weekend, if anything changes, just give me a call. Over that weekend, she was walking around the house and she kept closing one eye. And I asked her, I said, Annika, why do you keep closing your right eye? And she said, Mom, I'm seeing two things out of that eye. Then I knew that there was something more going on and called a family doctor at home. He said, you know, take her to the ED right away. So we did so, and she was diagnosed with a sinus infection. And so we thought we had her diagnosis. She'd be in over the weekend, and we'd be on our way, you know, with IV antibiotics, and we'd be off on our way. So that was on a Saturday. We were there through Sunday, and then we were about to go home, and they said, you know, I think we'd like to do an MRI. It just looks like that sinus infection has, has leaked maybe to a weird spot in her head from the CT they had done previously. And I'll never forget then after the MRI, when they came out with the news that they were 90% sure that she had a tumor, a cancerous tumor behind her right eye. And she had, the tumor had fingers going in many different directions. It was inoperable, it was wrapped around her carotid. We really thought, it was a death sentence. As you can imagine, when something like that hits you, your, your life changes overnight. Like my life had stopped in that moment when I got that news. You say it's, you can imagine, 
I don't know if I can imagine. I know that the feeling you get when you're you have bad news, but that seems like such a whole other level of bad news. And that right. seems so um I don't I don't even know how I would wrap my mind around that. Getting the little bit that you and I have gotten to know each other. You you seem this is going to sound weird, but you seem like the perfect person to deal with this situation. You have like a very calming nature already. I don't know what I would do. And I would hope that I would be strong like you have. I could be strong like you. And so it's very, um, I can't even imagine. I can't even imagine. That is the absolute worst nightmare. Yeah. And it's amazing how your mind just immediately goes into shock and you know, that first phase of shock is denial. And that's immediately what I went to. Like, I, I just know this is, you've got the wrong chart. Like, no, this, she had a sinus infection. <laughs> that's all this is. So you've received this horrible diagnosis. You're in denial, which I would totally be in denial as well. How did you help your daughter? After doing some research, we realized that there was this type of radiation available and it was, would be particularly helpful for her type of cancer which is called proton beam radiation. And she was being seen at Mayo Clinic. And they did, at the time, they didn't have this. They do have it now, but they didn't have proton beam radiation at the time. So we quickly started researching, you know, where could we go to get this treatment that would really be the best for her? This type of treatment was MD Anderson in Houston. And they reviewed her chart and agreed to take her. And so we needed to be there. Then that was the Monday following the uh, her first chemo treatment that we had to be on a plane uh, to get down to Houston uh, to start the process for her getting treated there. You know, my husband had to stay behind with the older two kids. I had to be down there with her while my husband stayed back with the other two. But there were two very serendipitous things that happened uh, right before that. And one was that my sister had given me a book called Wherever You Go, There You Are by John Kabat-Zinn. Uh, who is a very well-known author on mindfulness-based principles. And the other was that I heard Dr. Amit Sood speak at Mayo Clinic. He was at Mayo Clinic at the time. He spoke about his stress management and resiliency training program, in which he talks about these resilient living principles. I just knew everything that he talked about was what was going to get me through that year. And it truly was. And so I brought that Dr. Uh, or John Kabat-Zinn's book with me, and then that knowledge that I had gotten from Dr. Sue down to Texas with me. And, you know, the only 20 minutes I had to myself was in a day was when, she, when Annika was in her radiation treatments. And I would take that book and I would read that book while she was in her treatments. Or, and then I would start to, as I was reading the book and learning about meditation, I would sometimes meditate right there in the waiting room uh, waiting for her to get done with her treatments. And that was truly what got me through that year. What it allowed me to do was to be fully present for Annika and to really focus on her and give her the compassionate care that she needed. I think it's fascinating is that it only, and I'm saying only, 20 minutes a day. And when right. can we, we can all find 20 minutes a day to be more present for your sick daughter away from your support group. 
that's what I think is fascinating with the work that you are doing now, that you learned in, a, in a, the worst time when you think that you cannot learn, that you figured out 20 minutes a day can help you help your daughter and help yourself. I right. That's what's fascinating. Right. 20 minutes a day and then just sprinkling the principles that I was learning throughout my day. And, and that's the beauty of mindfulness is that you really can incorporate it into your day-to-day activities so that it doesn't take a lot of extra time out of your day, but really can make a big difference. Can I ask you how your daughter's doing today? Yes, thank you. She's doing well. She is now 16 years old, and she is a healthy girl that is, she loves to dance, and she's just, uh, she's She's very into art. She's a great artist and full of energy. And so we're very thankful that that she pulled through it. What a horrible situation to really develop into something positive. I think yeah. that's the, the definite um, sign of that. So, you no, know, thinking about your background and when I think of resiliency training, and I think that's really what you were going through when you were going through with your daughter and that you transition this into a career choice, that when I think of resiliency training, I think about me being resilient and keeping a list of items I can control. But I have a feeling I'm going about it completely the wrong way. Tell me more about what led you into resiliency training and this career choice. Yeah, so one of the things that, you know, I had mentioned earlier that I heard Dr. Sood speak about resilience principles and, you know, what he, how he describes it that really helped me is that, you know, when we're under stress and all of us are right now, right? We, you know, there's the, the result of the, the pandemic that, you know, in the initial phases, we were all kind of rallying around each other and helping each other out. But now that pandemic fatigue is setting in and it's really wearing on us. And then you take into account all of the other things happening in our society right now. And it's just, it's so much for our minds to hold. And what happens in those situations when we're under stress and we have so much heaviness on our minds is that we tend to go to our amygdala, which is in the middle of our brain. That's our emotion center. And when we go to that amygdala, then what happens is that we don't tend to go to our prefrontal cortex, which is our higher order thinking. So that's where we do more of our critical thinking and reasoning. The more that we go to that amygdala, actually the matter in that area of the brain grows. And so that means that we're gonna be more likely to go there in the future. And so what happens is it's kind of this positive feedback loop. The more we go there, the more we're gonna tend to go there. And so what we want to do instead is to go to that prefrontal cortex, train your brain to go there more often, because that's where we're going to be able to do our, our higher order thinking and critical thinking through uh, how, to, how to manage the situation. I think that what you're saying, if I'm understanding, I'm going to say, I'm going to run five miles by in three months from now. And I, but you have to train yourself to right. get to that five mile mark. And I'm going to get... so thinking positive and using those steps, you have to do the steps. You just can't wake up one day and be like, I'm going to be the most positive person. Right. Exactly. Okay. I got it. It's like (laughs) a muscle. Like you have to exercise it. 
in order for it to get stronger? Well, let's hope it's not like my ab muscles because we don't have <laughs> but I can definitely, I can definitely work on my mind muscles. Right. Tell me some of the challenges that you've had with some of your clients or tell me some of the kickstart methods that you've had with some of your clients, training right. and positive things. So the challenges I would say, and this is not unusual for people to, you know, have these racing thoughts or these, I have so many thoughts going on in my head right now. And so how do I stop the thoughts? And the thing is, you don't, you can't stop your thoughts, right? You don't, that's not the goal. You, you can't stop your thoughts. But what you can do is through the practices of mindfulness and resilience based principles is you can tend to calm the mind. What you do is you shift to being the victim to your thoughts, to be more in control and the observer of your thoughts. So it's like you're pulling away and you're observing, you're watching your thoughts arise and fall, and then you're just letting them go. And so it's not pushing them away. It's not denying them. It's allowing them in and then letting them fall. And so, you know, it, it's described as, you know, you start with this monkey mind or your mind is just like all over the place. Thoughts are all over the place. And what happens then with mindfulness, so mindfulness is basically paying attention on purpose in the present moment, non-judgmentally. Non-judgmentally tends to be the hardest part. We tend to uh, criticize our thoughts, think we shouldn't have certain thoughts, judge ourselves for having so many thoughts. It's so easy to do, and, and it's it's our natural tendency. It's it's the way our brain works. That we're so hard on ourselves. It's a natural reaction. Just like if someone was going to come attack you, you would put your arms up and try to defend yourself. Is that the brain's natural reaction? Exactly. Yeah. Okay. That's good. We can visualize that when we're doing this to ourselves, we're attacking, but we're attacking ourselves. It's fascinating to me when you say monkey mind, you are really speaking to me because I have really had to, over the years, just tell myself, stop, just stop for right. a second. Right. And I don't know if I'm doing the right thing. Like I said, I, I keep a list to try to help myself, but you know, when my mind starts to spiral into these negative thoughts, I literally have to tell myself, stop it. Right. Like, is this true? Right. And is this going, is this really going to happen? And right. I really had to like get myself into that habit. Am I going down a right path? <laughs> right. Right. And that's what Dr. Sood refers to as kind of the default mode of the mind. And that's where we just, we just tend to go to when we're under stress. And that's what our minds were designed to protect us against threats in the environment. That's what the mind is supposed to do. It's just doing its job. It's just trying to protect us. It's seeking out threats that could be happening in the future. It's reflecting on what's happened in the past and trying to prevent that from occurring again in the future. And it's just what the mind does. And so you want to work with the mind versus against it and allow those thoughts to come and go, but not to become consumed by those thoughts. I like how you said earlier, like as a victim of those thoughts, right. you right. have to change that thought process. It's really easy over the past year. You can't be like a victim. You start going down the list, all these things that are going wrong, kind of deal with things. But tell me some of your, you know, especially when you were as a caregiver and a mother, but then also even reflecting over the past year, what are some of your favorite techniques just to help calm your mind and let yourself know you're going to be okay? 
Yeah, I mean, you're so right. During these challenging times, it's, it is much more difficult, but it's also an opportunity for growth. And it's sometimes difficult to view it in that way when we're in the midst of it, but it truly is. And so, you know, sometimes what we see in these situations, you know, you heard of post-traumatic growth or post-traumatic stress syndrome, but there can also be this post-traumatic growth syndrome where we become stronger because of it. And, you know, there's this quote by Pema Chodron. She's a well-known author on mindfulness. And she says, you know, in pain and crisis, there lies a hidden doorway to freedom that appears to us only when we're sure that there is no way out. And that just rang so true for me with, you know, my situation with Annika. It, it was like mindfulness was this doorway that appeared to me. And it probably wouldn't have appeared to me if I hadn't gone through that situation where I was desperate for a way out. I think that's amazing on how you're describing that. And it's almost the one door closes, another one opens type of philosophy. I like hers way better. It sounds much more eloquent. What if you're so deep into, and I think you're such a great example. You're in such a negative situation. How do you see that door and how do you get to that door? Right. There's, so there's five principles that Dr. Sue talks about that you know, evidence-based for building resilience. And those are gratitude, compassion, acceptance, meaning and purpose, and forgiveness. If you can incorporate those principles into your everyday life and pull those in, that's truly what's going to help you to get through difficult situations and to come out stronger. But, you know, as we talked about, it's, it's very difficult when we're busy and we have so much on our plate and we have so much weighing on us. And what tends to happen is that the first thing that we let go of is taking care of ourselves. That's the last thing that we need to do because as we're present for ourselves, as we take care of ourselves, then that allows us to be more present for our loved ones and to, and to take care of them. You know, we, we can't give what we don't have. And so it's really important that we build these principles into our everyday life, incorporate them in so that we can protect our well-being and then, you know, prevent that burnout from occurring or turn us around from burnout if we're already there. And then we can be more present for, for our patients, for our loved ones. And it's really important to sprinkle those throughout your day because we don't have a lot of extra time, right? I mentioned gratitude was one of the five principles. As uh, Dr. Sood speaks about in his program, you know, just waking up in the morning and before you get out of bed, you just think of five people that you're grateful for and you bring them to mind one at a time into, you know, as you're waking up, bring them each into your mind and you just send them your silent gratitude or send them your silent well wishes. And that takes two minutes out of your morning, but can really change the, it can shift your whole day because you're starting out with those positive attentions. You're going to that prefrontal cortex. You're starting out with that, with those positive thoughts, build it into your everyday life. You know, five, five people. We can name five people. I can name uh, a coworker. I can name a person in my family. I can name a friend. 
and then I've got two spares. Like I, <laughs> I can definitely right. do that. It's so, so like you going back to saying when you were with your daughter, you spent 20 minutes a day. I got 18 minutes left in the day <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> to feel positive out of the whole day. I can do it. <laughs> right. Yeah. And to start your morning off that way can be so powerful or you can, you know, as you practice it more and more, you, you get more comfortable with even bringing those people to mind that are challenging to you that are maybe helping you grow in some way, finding gratitude for all the situations in life that help us in some way. I think that's definitely going to take some techniques because, you know, as you're talking about the five principles, I'm great with four of them, but it really is a struggle for me with forgiveness. If you have a difficult patient or if you have a difficult person that you do run into the grocery store, but then there's also those long-term folks that you're just, you might've had a falling out, you know, really understanding each other. Tell me a little bit of, more about forgiveness and why that's so important. Yeah. Forgiveness is, is a tough one. It's probably the toughest of all the principles to practice. So you, you hit the nail on the head there. <laughs> really what forgiveness is about is you're letting go of what someone has done against you or something that has happened to you. You are letting it go so that you're not allowing it to cause you pain anymore. It's really not about the other person necessarily. You're not necessarily telling them it's okay. You're not condoning their behavior. But instead, you're saying, I'm not going to hold on to this anymore to allow it to continue to hurt me. It's letting go of that pain, allowing yourself to let go of it, which, you know, that can be really difficult as someone, especially if someone has harmed us in a really difficult way that's difficult to manage. But you're releasing both them and yourself. And another way to think of it is, you know, oftentimes when someone has done something against us, harmed us in some way, they've done that because they are hurting, they're in pain. And so as Dr. Sood says, any act other than love is often a call for help. If somebody has done something against you, it's usually because they're in pain, they're hurting in some way. And so that's a cry for help, really, from them. That's a great point that you bring up. Forgiveness is hard. Like, I'm a snapper. When I get stressed and I get, um, I could be sad or stressed or angry with things that are going on, I snap at those around me. It's not that I don't care for those people, but I become a snapper. If you are the snapper and you handle stress that way, because I you're not intentionally trying to harm somebody, but like you said, there might be fear that's coming from a place of, or anxiety. But then also on the other side, having a coworker or someone that works for me and I snap at them, how can I come back? And is it just swallowing my pride? So I think on both sides of this, if you could kind of explain. Yeah, I think it just helps if you bring in that perspective. So when something, somebody's doing something against you, to keep in mind and it doesn't make that behavior okay i mean that, i think that's where people struggle because they're like well that per- you know i didn't deserve that that person really snapped at me you know just yelled at me maybe in front of my colleagues and i didn't deserve that and no you you most likely didn't deserve it but if you can just bring that perspective to it that oh they're in pain they're hurting in some way and, and yeah, you're so right. We do it too, right? We do it to others. And then we feel terrible about it after the fact. And it might be something in the moment, our adrenaline was high, or we kind of these, these number of small microaggressions against us 
all day long. And then all of a sudden there's this one that really sets us and then we act out and then we feel terrible about it. I think that's an opportunity to practice both compassion and self-compassion. So that's where that principle comes in. Show your, if you're the one that's done the attacking, you know, first of all, bring in that self-compassion, like, okay, I, I did this. I feel terrible about it, but I did it because I was in pain or I did it because I was so stressed out and then sit with that and, and then bring compassion. Okay. So what do I need? What do I need to give myself so that I'm not so stressed out in the future? What do I need to do for myself so that I don't act out in that way? There's a, there's an excellent technique that um, I use for that called rain and it's uh, Tara Brock uh, talks about this frequently and she has a number of, guided meditations around the RAIN technique. And RAIN stands for, the acronym stands for, first of all, recognize. So you're recognizing the emotion that you're having or the difficulty that you're feeling. The A is allowing it. So you're allowing it to be present instead of you know pushing it away or denying that it's happening. You're allowing it to be present. And then the I is investigate. So you're investigating it. And this, you want to be careful not to get too much up in your head, but you just want to think about, okay, where am I feeling this emotion in my body right now? And, you know, am I, am I feeling it in my heart or am I feeling it in my throat? And, and then what does it feel like? Is it pressure? Is it pain? Is it, how does it feel? And then finally, N is the nurture portion of it. And that's where the compassion comes in. And you're bringing compassion to that. Like, yes, I'm... I am feeling really stressed right now. And this is really difficult. This is a really difficult situation for me. And then asking yourself what, and this is where self-compassion comes in, what do I need for myself right now? So treating yourself like you would a, a dear friend mm-hmm. and asking what do I need right now to get through this? And you can do that either as a, a long meditation, there's you know half hour guided meditations on that process, but you can also do what Tara refers to as light rain and you just bring it in in the moment. And, and you know, you can be in, the mid, in a meeting, in the middle of a meeting and someone says something that doesn't sit right with you and you can just sit with that and like, okay, why is this, you know, okay, I'm feeling anxious, allowing that to be there and then recognizing where you're feeling it. I'm feeling it in my throat and I feel this tightness in my throat and that's maybe preventing me from speaking up or, you know, speaking up for myself. And so then, okay, then you bring nurture to it. It's okay. I'm, I'm here with you. I'm, I know this is difficult for you, but you can get through this. And then maybe that can give you the courage then to, to speak and to stand up for yourself. You mentioned the self-compassion, like you would a friend. It's so hard sometimes to really take that minute and say, wait, when when I talk to a friend like that, but I'm talking to myself like that. Right. You have to sometimes, those negative self-talk, and when you're in that moment, like, wait, I would never say that to a friend of mine. I would never say that to a stranger. So why am I saying it to me? You know, I would never, if someone made me irritated at the gas station, I'm not going to say, how stupid are you? I would never say that. I would stop and I would either say, do you need help? Can I help you? So, why right. can we, you know, we have to get to that point. Going back to what you were saying, that 20 minutes. Right. 
I think that's a great place to pause and reflect on the lessons Dr. Chesick has taught us today. Thank you for joining us, Dr. Chesick. So thank you for having me. Both of us hope that you're feeling more hopeful and full of gratitude as both of us do after this great conversation. Please visit the SWCO page on the AAO member website for the links to the resources Dr. Chesick suggested and more information about resilience. In the second part of our episode, we'll take a deeper look into nutrition and self-care with life and nutrition coach, Cassie Green. This is Melissa Weisop. Thank you for listening.